Alright everybody, welcome into Hacked History. We're back with another episode. Uh, this is not the promised episode because we apparently don't like to keep promises in this podcast. What was the promised episode again? We were supposed to be releasing the importance of being earnest, but apparently we, we, let, we took the story's lesson a little too seriously and didn't want to be earnest. <laughs> what a fucking dad joke that was. Get the hell out of here. No, we were, in all truth of this though, we were uh, intending to put that episode out. Uh, it just um, didn't work out that way, so we got another Medical Marvels episode coming out just for you today. Just as well, because here's a, a behind the scenes, a moment for you, for any of you who listen to uh, fucking Bleeding Part Dose, <laughs> that our audio was a hot dumpster fire, and you were right. It was a hot dumpster fire. And guess what? Well. We didn't want to replay it. We didn't want to give another one of those shit storms without fixing the audio. So we spent yep. almost an hour texting the volumes, so if you've got a problem with it, at us literally we need to know so we're not fucking this up again i mean honestly though if we do sound like shit please do tell us we're still very new to the podcasting game so there's a decent chance we will sound like shit again at some point that's not the goal it's never the goal but there's a decent chance we will (laughs) that that is so if if that does happen please tell us i love that the concept is like that of a fucking telephone if we sound shit enough we will get to the goal of one million dollars before the end of the hour yeah. Smooth. <laughs> Would you just like to rustle that bitch for a hot We're minute? Already doing great. <laughs> We're batting a thousand. Anyway, um, just to give our little promos away in the beginning here. So make sure, please, to. Uh, you know, go out there and support us if you do like what we're doing out there. Um, tell your friends about us. Tell your parents about us. Tell your enemies about us. Really, just anybody you know. Your spies. Your Bridges spies. Your Tom Hanks, if you will. Yeah, tell Tom Hanks about us, please. please Tom God. Hanks should really know about us. I, yeah, Tom Hanks is like, I, I really like these guys. They're really, really <laughs> smart. And we're like, Tom, that's a, that's, I feel like you could be better, better time. I, I think these guys and will you, be the new and Turner you, and Hooch. And when you tell Tom Hanks about us, make sure you let him know that, that he can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Stitcher. I was running. Google, Pod, Google Podcasts. <laughs> oh, thanks for the audio. So I can definitely get that, that shit. Good Lord. You're welcome. Want to not scream into the microphone? I wasn't. I was screaming away from it. Oh, it didn't matter. <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, so we're basically anywhere you can find podcasts, you should be able to find us. We're also on iHeartRadio. Um, so, and uh, if you want to hit us up on social media to talk about Jake's mic screeches, you can do that too. Uh, we are on Facebook at Hacked History. We are also on Instagram at Hacked History, or Hacked underscore History. Uh, and then uh, if you want to reach out to us via email so you can really get to Jake personally, you can hit us up at HackedHistory101 at gmail.com. That's right. I will delete those emails. <laughs> Oh, and also... They uh, go straight to my, my fucking wastebasket. It doesn't matter. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> what? They're, you're uh, the one telling see, them to the, at me, the, so the, I'm going to throw them away. The thing is, you don't have access to the podcast emails, so you can't do that. Well, I can figure it out. Not unless I give you the password. You're not a hacker. I could be. I uh, get, but you're not, though. I, get, I know somebody who could. I don't doubt that. You don't uh, doubt that? I don't doubt that. All right. Um, so don't tempt me, boy. Why would you hack... Never mind. So I've got better things we'll, to do, we'll, but I'd like to fuck with you. We'll, we'll settle this off air. Anyway. We'll settle this off air. Uh, <laughs> take me out back to the bike rack, bro. Fight me after school. <laughs> Three o'clock. Don't Six be o'clock. late. Six o'clock. God, you're stupid. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, but uh, also, the other thing I was going to mention, too, 
Uh, be sure if you're interested in these episodes, Jake is actually doing a really good job keeping uh, keeping his stuff current. So there's going to be some new episode stuff on there, some some of his research and some interesting information uh, that you might find interesting from this episode. If you want to possibly contra- contradict Jake with his own sources, you can also do that. Yeah, you could. So you could try. But like any good researcher that I knew in college, um, and any professor which I knew in college, I could contradict you, but you could come up with a litany of reasons why I was wrong, regardless of whether they were correct or not. <laughs> yep. So. Well, actually, I've been there longer so shut the fuck up and sit down well without further ado jake let's uh let's get going here All what right. is our topic for today's episode? well let's start what's it okay so there's some context here this is a two-parter i'm splitting um the each of the episodes up into two we got a two for yeah pretty much <laughs> like We're fm radio yeah we got a two for <laughs> You done? <laughs> All right. You done now? Yeah, I should actually get an air horn sound effect. So you I probably should, but myself. if you do, I will hit you. <laughs> I'll swat you through the hole that sits across from me. Is that when you're going to come through on your dick punch promise? Yes, really? I will. <laughs> yeah, the dick punch promise we're lives such, again. We're such good co-hosts because I was like, I'll punch you in the stomach. You're like, I'll dick punch you. <laughs> That's, I hate to say that. That almost happened that one time. You almost fucking people's elbowed me. <laughs> yeah, not on purpose. We're not actually going to hit each other, everybody. Wailed you in the fucking groin on accident. <laughs> Just so you know, we're actually not going to hit each other, everybody. Jake yeah, and I are fine. good friends. Yeah. Believe it For or now. not. Believe it or not. <laughs> uh, Jake, anyway, you're anyway, a two-parter. What is it about? Right, so, so the first part we're going to be talking about is medical mercury. Okay. And I the next it. one's arsenic. Mm. And I, I titled this one. Delicious. A, I titled this first one. <laughs> oh, you'll <laughs> think it's delicious. I titled this first one, It's Akin to Folgers in Your Cup. Ah, yes. So we're going to get Except sued by... It's mercury. We're going to get sued. It's pretty much the same thing. We're going to get sued by uh, by Folgers, and uh, you know what? I will you know post what? that letter. We're not going to get sued until I say, the best part of waking up is mercury Folgers in up. your cup. I was going to say Folgers up your butt, but that works too. I was going to say mercury in your cup. You know, right. I was trying to go with the feet. Yeah, yeah, you know what? So I'm trying to get a suit. Yeah, you know? I, That's diver- I divert expectations. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we get followers, Jake. Motherfucker, I divert expectations. <laughs> I'm the maverick of this bitch. I'm the John McCain of this podcast. Good lord. I don't know what happened to my voice. <laughs> anyway. So, I- <laughs> okay. I love that we're so that much more crisp. Amazing. It's so much better. Anyway. So I'm going to introduce this one just right off the bat. And so kind of like with the bleeding one, what I had, um, I've got the research. We're going to go through some of the basics of mercury because some people just don't know. I don't want to leave nobody behind. I'm gonna buy me a Mercury and bring it on down. I don't know what song that is. But That's a country song. We're gonna be sued by that person yeah, now too. Yeah, Blake Shelton's gonna just throw a brick with the cease and desist through your window like a Klansman. <laughs> and that's when we want. Yeah, that. boy, that's what I said. Oh God. She's <laughs> got the fucking Duke voice card. Oh boy. Um, we're gonna talk about some specific, like so, like I said, uh, the actually the research on this is kind of shallow. Which was not something I expected out of this one, because you would think this would be like a huge deal. You'd think so, yeah. Yeah. So the first, um, the first site, and I have it on the website, is called CorrosionDoctors.com. <laughs> no, oh, dude, honestly, I thought you were gonna say Corona. I was just ready. I heard Corona. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, Corona strikes again. Yeah, but um, Corrosion Doctors, and then there was an MIT article that they took most of their information from. All right, cool, cool. So to that degree, there is some stuff going on there. Um, and then the last one is the MIT blog that I was talking about. Um, there is also a number of, let's see here. 
Yeah, here we go. We we have a couple other ones too. I have um a number of the Mercury policy scripts there. And then there's a story at the end that we'll be talking about, which is about Abraham Lincoln. When you were doing that, I was I swear if I had a cricket noise like button, I'd be like <laughs> You you're gonna have way too much fun with that fucking soundboard. Oh, once I get one. It, it's gonna, gonna be the end of us. It's gonna be. And then it'll be the end <laughs> it'll upset one of us so bad that <laughs> walks out mid-podcast and you're like bro i didn't mean it bro it's and like, then in the apology you play the fucking soundboard on the phone call <laughs> you fucking asshole you're giving you too much power anyway so yeah as the title indicates mercury and arsenic were and in some cases still are used in medical practices every day perfect yes that's a scary thought anyway moving on um, their uses have drastically changed since their inception as a medical remedy, however. So this is going to be the episode where we sort of look at mercury in general. So medical mercury, first off, for those of you who are not, you know, I was say geologically, I was going to say chemistry-based intelligence here. Well, technically, we're all chemistry-based intelligence if you want to point out the physiological, if you want to point out the anatomy of the human body. <laughs> You fucking nerd. <laughs> I had a 4.0. I had a 4.01 GTA, oh, good actually. For what? Yeah. I love that for some reason that somehow exists as a fucking... weighted GPA. That's if you take it yeah. out of dance placement classes. Oh, that's true. That's right, yeah. Um, so, basically, what mercury is, is it's a chemical element with the symbol HG and an atomic number of 80. And the mercury is commonly known as what's something called quicksilver because the actual appearance of mercury, if anybody's ever seen it, is kind of like a liquid. It's a metal, but it's a liquid. So it's you a could, viscous metal. It's not viscous. It's literally uh, not. It's more like water. And what damn. basically anyway. it is, is that you can pour it into the palm of your hand, and you can sort of roll it around on the palm of your hand, and mm-hmm. it won't leave a track. It's sure. really weird. So it's a, it's a shiny, silvery liquid that will roll across your hand with ease, and it has common uses. Most people use it for thermometers. I was about to say, thermometers is the one that yeah, I can Yeah, that's like the, the big one, right? And even right now, they're moving away from that because of the mercury problem. Because back in the day, if you shattered mercury, and we're talking like the 40s and 50s, we're talking about people who also were not smart enough to wash their fucking hands after doing that. Then they'd be like, let me just touch my child's face, and then, <laughs> yeah, and then your kid is currently insane. Um, they're used in barometers. Those are used more for weather, like with pressure and stuff like that. Manometers, which are in it with that, my God, which is a measuring instrument for measuring low range, positive, negative, and differential air and gas pressure. Again, kind of like a barometer, uh, blood pressure monitors, float valves, mercury switches, mercury relays, though all of those are in electronics, fluorescent lamps, etc. Also back in the day. And my favorite was that it was used to float lamps on for <laughs> for lighthouses, which is why a lot of lighthouse keepers went crazy. <laughs> okay. Fucking really crazy. Well, you know, that makes sense. It happens, yeah. Anyway, uh, as we were to allude to, and if you haven't already fucking picked this one up already, it's a neurotoxin. It's a very potent neurotoxin. It should be handled with intense care. The effects of the exposure to mercury are as follows, but are widely varied based on the type of type, dose, method, and duration of exposure. It can lead from muscle weakness, poor coordination, numbness in hands and feet, skin rashes, high anxiety, memory problems, trouble speaking, hearing or seeing, or erratic behavior, and or loss of sanity in certain cases. Oh. Mad Hatter's disease. That is basically an exposure to mercury. The old vestige that back in the day in the Victorian era, you could literally cure the material that you made a hat with with mercury. 
but because they were doing this in like an unventilated area and there was like no safety practices these people were just breathing in fumes all fucking day <laughs> it was causing brain damage it was it was lit um uh, well I, I don't know if it's, it's lit that seems a little fucked up personally well now but, we're, we're, remember we're millennials which means that everything is lit regardless of how dark and like well, I'm, <laughs> talk, I'm talking about a generation that doesn't know what the fuck auschwitz is you want to tell me that that's not lit like don't okay, listen that's definitely not everybody that's I'm most gonna... people they they pulled it was about 60 i thought it was like 33 percent. oh i think it got higher anyway um, well, it's still sad. It doesn't really matter sad. what percentage is that. It's still not Shame good. Shame on you for taking a selfie at Auschwitz. Don't that's just bad. Yeah, I would not recommend doing that. Yeah. Anyway, um, so going into the history of mercury medicine, um, it starts in ancient China, as you do. <laughs> as you do. I mean, like, I hate to say it, but every <laughs> one of these like pseudoscience medicines continues in China. Urine therapy continues in China. <laughs> Bloodletting continues in China. Fucking, <laughs> fucking this continues Communism in China. Communism continues in China. Yeah, well, not really. I mean, kind of, though. Kind of, but not really. Uh, anyway, so it, where it starts is in ancient China around the 2nd century, there was a line that, the line basically between alchemy and medicine was a really murky one. And so often poison and medicine fell along those same lines because, again, they had no idea what the effects were, right? That they could sure. usually chalking up the effects of insanity to like we did with bleeding to like fucking ghosts in your blood or like a portion of your brain. You got your ghosts humors. in your blood? You got the ghosts in your blood? <laughs> you got the ghosts in your blood? Anyway, uh, by the second, in the second century rather, uh, ancient Chinese alchemists, which are basically people who were looking to turn one state of matter in, into an entirely different state of matter. Usually the ca- common example is turning like lead into gold or something like that. I just slapped the mic cord. I'm sorry. Um, they came to the conclusion though that the mercury was an elixir of life that could confer longevity or immortality for the applicant. All right. <laughs> All right. So a uh, prominent Chinese alchemist behind this medical trend can be attributed to a, a man known as Ji Hong, who lived from around 283 to 243 uh, CE, which would have been after year zero. Uh, Ji Hong was an Easter, or was an Eastern Jin Dynasty scholar and author of essays on Chinese characters as well as the originator of first aid in traditional Chinese medicine. So he did do a positive in creating the concept of like first aid, pretty much, sure. at least within his culture. Yeah. Um, during his lifetime, Ji Hong established the belief that a person eats what they eat literally. Like, oh. So using that correlation, the concept was, you know, if you ate gold you could obtain perfection because I think in, in their minds back at that time, gold was a symbol of wealth as it is now. But you know how there are people out there who flaunt their shit. Like I had like gold, fla- like, like the concept that gold, if oh, you, you drank gold, Instagram, pretty much like if you drank gold slogger, you could become immortal. We know that's not true, but, um, I mean like gold members from Austin Powers. Pretty much, right? I painted my wingy when we mm. we gold. I painted it gold. Anyway, um, did a bad uh, fucking Michael Myers impressions out of me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the concept here was that if you ate gold, you could obtain perfection because that's how the body worked at the time. They didn't know anything about the the, the system of digestion and the fact that gold has literally nothing to do with it. Um, but inside that philosophy, Hong believed that a person attaining enlightenment or perfection was going to usually be poor because they they take it a based on concept of like the average person looking for enlightenment is going to be poor lack of material like 
light, like, Jesus, lack, lack of physical materials. <laughs> Christ almighty. You're doing all right. It's okay. Yeah. It, it basically meant that you were not, you were not rich in, like, actual possessions, but rich in spirit. That was sort of their concept. And so he's like, well, I can't just ask a poor person to eat gold because that's not going to fuck, that's not fucking practical. Which should have been the first step in him taking a look at it and going, most of this doesn't make sense, but, you know. Well, here's the deal. I feel like nobody should be eating gold, and, uh, You can. You can have it. I mean, it's not, it's not like something that hurts you. Right, but there's no nutritional value in eating it. It's not like... You you look like a fucking ball of wool doing it. That's what's up. Come on. Do you really? Yeah. Uh, Okay. I cannot comment. Moving on. I'm, I'm just going to say that I, I highly doubt it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying I totally disagree with you on that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the concept here was that, you know, that person who was looking for enlightenment oftentimes is going to be poor. So what, what kind of substitute could I find? He goes. He thinks himself this question. And he finds out, oh, I know. Something that's easily attainable for the masses. The conclusion that he comes to is that the substance is something called cinnabar. I shit you not, I kept typing it in my computer, and it kept reverting it to Cinnabon. That's the first thing I thought of immediately when you said that. I love Cinnabon, and unfortunately, I don't have it. Um, Cinnabar basically was this, like, mixture of sorts. And so what Cinnabar is, is it's a toxic mercury sulfide mineral. Okay. Which contains a bright red pigment that led ancient peoples to use it as a pigment to carve it into jewelry and ornaments. Oh, so you could wear that shit. You could probably also use it as some sort of like makeup. There was cosmetics that used mercury straight up. Oh, that's, that's always uh, bright. That's great. So in his mind, he looks at that and goes, "Oh, this thing looks fucking awesome. What if we ate it?" <laughs> and um, he basically tells them like all the people who were poor said, "This is the first step in you becoming a pure person." Basically, whether it meant like reincarnation, I'm not sure if Buddhism at this point in time had taken on. But the idea here was that he basically sort of gave them this free pass to go and like, yeah, you're, you want to eat this object, this rock, to obtain that perfection. Um, he also, being the ever-loving alchemist that he is, believed that cinnabar could be made into gold. So and the idea was that you literally just swallow this. And then somehow, through some sort of, like, witch magic or some shit that they would do. Witch magic. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, like when you see, like, really, really high-end, like, evangelical, like, sermons where they're, like, shaking and shit. And they're slapping people around. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. Um, he basically would turn it into gold and it would kind of, like, do the job for him. So that was sort of where he was sitting. Uh, Hong's study established a series of uses for cinnabar that included the following. Smearing the substance on the feet to enable a person to walk on water... <clears throat> placing it over a doorway to ward off thieves and combining it with raspberry juice to enable elderly men to beget children. <laughs> children, huh? Yeah, <laughs> children. That's all I got. Never mind. <laughs> children, huh? Never mind the fact your sperm swimming sideways. Um, <laughs> what? Like, it's, it's, it, these are like based on, I think, either cultural things or I, I don't know if he's making it up. So, regardless of that, as it's happening in China, through the process of the Silk Road, you have ideas in China, technologies in China, moving over as time goes on. Um, Around the same time, though, during sort of the period in Greece, 
we see Aristotle, who lives from 384 to 322 BCE, who was actually studying it a little bit earlier, actually, being credited with creating something that was the oldest known written record of mercury use in Europe, wherein he coined the name fluid silver or quicksilver for this element. In his writing... Oh, I thought you were going to say something. No, in his writing, I'm, just, I'm just looking. <laughs> yeah, in, in that writing, though, Aristotle conveys the concepts that alchemy or alchemists of his day believed, which was that mercury was the cornerstone component of all metals. So the reason why I kind of did China first and then this is that there were really two different kinds of thought processes. Sure. But, like, one kind of comes slightly after the other. I follow. I, I could have done it in a chronological order, but I just... You're good. Whatever. Um, in it, the, the idea was, like, mercury is, like, this quicksilver object. It, it's a, literally a liquid metal, which means it, it, it's, like, a, a shapeshifter or something like that. I don't fucking know what he was thinking. Um, like... In his concept, he was just like, oh, this thing looks like it could do anything. There you go. <laughs> and um, eat it. You know, but there was like weird Just do me. it. Eat yeah, it. I know you eat it. Just do it. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, that was a meme. Um, Watch out, Shia. She's going to come and kick your door in and scream at you like DJ Khaled. Small circular motions, Devin. Brush your teeth. Oh, anyway. Boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he gave that idea that because it was liquid, because they had kind of like boiled it down they realized oh this thing actually is like a cornerstone for all metal and it gave them that metallic nature in the first place so they find common uses for it in greek culture they were used in ceremonies to honor the gods as well as treat skin disorders um if, if you remember that it states that it causes skin rashes so i don't know what disorders they were currently trying to cure with this i wonder what it did yeah it's yeah, really not makes great. you wonder, doesn't not it? Not great, not great. Yeah. Um, other areas of the time as well, kind of as the cultures were starting to sort of mesh together a little bit later, India and China, mercury was also used as an aphrodisiac and as a component of medical therapy circa 500 BCE, which basically meant that like if you had basic aches and pains, you could sort of apply it anywhere. Chinese women were used or reported to have concern, consumed mercury as a contraceptive. Okay. Which, it, it fucking does the trick. I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, if you want to kill that thing, you definitely did it. Um, cinnabar itself is actually still used as a sedative in traditional Chinese medicine today. Um, yeah. It, it's going to make you go in the long sleep. I just, and I'm not talking about the Salvador Dali painting. No, nah, it's going to make you sleep forever. Forever. It's the forever sleep. Anyway, um, we're moving forward. So between, like, ancient Greece and into sort of the Roman period, there wasn't much change in that philosophy. But it also wasn't very widespread because as the Greek city-states fell, the Romans picked up some things but not others. And also then when the Roman Empire fell, there was a lack of information on basic medical practice, which is weird. But that is what they found. Um, Mercury in the Industrial Age, though, when we're talking, like, 1600s, Oh, sorry, the 1500s to like 20th century, pretty much. Sure. Or, or like, tw- or I would say 1500s to probably 1800s, actually. Okay. And then like 18, 1800s to like 20th century is probably like modern period for me, but whatever. Um, in the industrial age, though, you start to see a change. So it's it revolves around the dick. Um, and, and basically, what happened here was it in the era before the conception of antibiotics, sexual, sure. sexually transmitted diseases were often a deadly affair, literally. Like, so to the point that a lot of contemporary scholars and historians used to say that syphilis was, like, the most critical medical problem of the first half of the 1500s. 
because of how many people had it and oh, how geez. like dangerous it. Yeah, they were fucking everybody. No kidding. <laughs> everybody. Anyway, um, there were multiple printed works dealing with the study of syphilis, which first appeared at the tail end of the 15th century, and that means the 1400s, and wherein it acquired the names Morbus Gallicus, or the French disease, which is aptly named in my the opinion. The French disease. The pox, or Louis Venera, or venereal disease for, and that's just Latin for that. Sure. Uh, due to the desperate nature, though, because they were like, oh, I don't fucking know how to deal with this thing, <laughs> this fucking syphilis. Which also drives you crazy, by the way. It makes your brain rot, I'm pretty sure. Um, a lot of people... Sounds like a lot of things on here that are making people insane in the membrane. <laughs> yeah, insane in the membrane. Don't insane in the brain! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, 1990s. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I wish we didn't remember that. Anyway. Oh, there's another potential suit <sighs> by. I love it. Dude, I, they would love to sue us. They're out there being ICPs and drinking Fago and I think stabbing each other. Is that what they do? Uh, I don't know. Can we... Can we <laughs> I want to take a hot minute to discuss ICP, but I really don't want to. Anyway. Nah, we're good. We the posse is that. insane in the membrane. Anyway, um, do you think they take mercury? Maybe. Probably. <laughs> just, can, we, can we ask Shaggy 2-Dope whether he does or he doesn't? I also have never listened to their music. I just know this from, like, popular <laughs> comments. I mean, I know popular comments, too, but I didn't know half the shit you're saying right now. <laughs> hey, what can I say? <laughs> I mean, good for you. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking magnets, how do they work? Uh, I like to say that memes tend to build my basis of most of my popular knowledge of this society. So for me, it's like, otherwise, I'd be probably speaking like I come from the 1880s. <laughs> Milady, <laughs> there would be people being like, "You're a fucking, <laughs> you're a fucking strong man, bro. <laughs> you're strong man. <laughs> fucking over here, cisgender and whatever." Anyway. Oh god. Um, anyway. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, due to the desperate search for a cure, mercury inevitably became one of the attempted cures just because, like, what the fuck? Let's see if it works. Yeah, yeah, let's try mercury. I love the concept that, like, somebody's like, oh, shit, none of these work. We can't figure out the, the cure to this disease. Bleeding doesn't work. Um, prayer doesn't work. Burning witches doesn't work. Fuck it. Let's do this. <laughs> Yeah, mercury might work. Yeah. Let's give it a shot. What if we drink some pond water? No, Greg, that's a stupid idea. Let's go to this thing that clearly let's go causes eat damage. Some liquid metal. Let's go eat some. Like, let's go eat the T one thousand from Terminator. <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> shout out to that. You've never seen Terminator, but I, have. I, I, I I'm completely lost. All right, well, <laughs> those of you out in Radio Land right now are gonna love that. Um, so, yeah, it becomes the attempted cure. And as we go across this podcast all the time, we like to talk about the fact that correlation does not equal causation because that is basic science. It's actually like the imperial way of dealing with scientific information. Well, according to them, it worked because it appeared <laughs> to be some positive changes in those patients that were treated. It appeared so. Appeared <laughs> to be some positive changes. <laughs> Okay, uh, what is the difference between appearing and actual proof for them? That's what I'd None. like to know. None. There was no proof. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure they look at Again, they did not have that. Uh, so they're like, a, his eye twitched two times. It looks like it's humping him. And Chris, you know, holy shit, he's got a boner again. <laughs> That's good. Yes, let's go. Anyway, um, basically, though, uh, it, even though it didn't, it, I want to say it didn't catch on overall like bloodletting did, like as a widespread thing, at least in Western Europe, it did start to 
become the remedy of choice for patients. In the Protestant areas of Europe, um, a good example of this actually was in Sweden. They had, during the second half of the 19th century, sort of like the dominant use of medical mercury there was to treat syphilis. And the studies of primary sources that were sort of dug up during that time to sort of find out how, what was going on indicated that some persons were exposed to dangerously high levels of mercury. So for context, approximately like 10 to 50,000 people were treated for venereal diseases with mercury in that country out of like a population maybe of like close to a million. Sure. During like the 1800s. And, or maybe like a million and a half. I don't know. Um, it's Sweden. There's not a lot going on over there. It's just them and reindeer. Uh, <laughs> and basically, like, there's the concept that, like, a, a good maybe eighth of their population was, like, treated with this. To, like, extreme levels where it could probably cause, like, consistent brain damage was, like, a little concerning. Because it, I always think about this like this. Like, we as millennials, I, I hate saying that because it makes me sound like a tool. Um, we as people who are in our 20s... <laughs> tend to come from, in the, in the United States, from a society which still has lead pipes for drinking water, which makes me sincerely concerned for the older generation, because at some point in time, I think everyone's just going to go senile at once. I'm afraid. I mean, it's not, but, okay, but lead pipes are not, like, I mean, I guess it's still a significant amount of people. But lead like, paint, lead pipes. Yeah. I feel, uh, it, it depends, like, because people, like, a lot, you know, it's not like you have people pumping lead into people as a medical treatment, though. I but, mean, like, but that's lead can saying. get into you, but, like, like it's, it's different. What like, I wonder is the damage that it causes, you know, because you have certain mental disorders that come from that. See, but lead, is, I feel like it's a lot of times it's well, more, like, close contact. Well, that's it, true. Like, like, with lead, it's close contact, but, like, even in general. Like, contact of any carcinogen in close contact. Like, it is an issue to see how far on through the lineage of people who were treated for this. Because they must have been fucking a lot of people. That, like, all of a sudden you have kids now that might have, like, damage after this person gets treated and goes out there and just, like that, and does it again. And I'd be curious to know, because, like, I know that in, I think it was in Japan, that they had done, like, studies that due to, like, a factory in that area of Japan... The fishing community was in like intaking high levels of mercury, and the children were being born with birth defects. And it would yeah, it would continue forward for generations. Like that's the sort of thing that I was worried about, because like they always wonder like like mental instability in people, and they like see uh, like a rapid increase in some cases in certain disabilities between in children. That happens to be something that might be caused by that. I don't know. But anyway, that aside, basically, there was a lot of use of this particular medical shit fest. Um, a Swiss physician, in fact, and we're going back to 1400s. Yeah, this, this sucker flies around a bit. Uh, Paracelsus, which I love that name because I honestly thought they had just fucked it up. But actually, it was like a 10 times longer Dr. name. Like, why are we going back to the 1400s? Well, I, I will tell you in a minute or in a reason why. So, for certain areas, right, they used, like in Sweden, for instance, they used mercury sort of like an ingestible. Mm-hmm. So, instead of it as a, like an elixir, which is an actual like drinkable liquid, because yep. that's smart. At the same time, uh, further, I was going to say not the same time, further back, around the 1400s to the 1500s, the Swiss physician that I talked about, Paracelsus, he formulated, though, that mercury would be better as an ointment. 
right? So there was, again, like sort of a split in how they used it here. And basically what they decided was that Paracelsus, for his credit, said, you can't ingest this shit because that's stupid. Right, which is true. But what if you rubbed it on yourself? (laughs) Yeah. So close to being right. So close. It gets worse because he says he recognized the toxicity and the risk of poisoning when it was administered as an elixir. So he decided that using the treatment like that, and there's a reason why I go to the 1400s here, is that, or back to that, is that he his method of using it as an ointment rather than drinking it was a treatment that would continue in Western Europe to treat skin diseases until the early 20th century. Oh. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so while you have people in, like, Western Europe and Northwestern Europe, like, drinking this shit, you got people who are, like, rubbing it on themselves. <laughs> yes, yeah, slather that, like, silvery shit on your junk. Options, by the way. Yeah, I know. So moving forward, we are now moving into the actual 1800s here. All right. And this is a little bit more straightforward here. Um, we have something called – there's not so much now a specific change in, like, the actual medical procedure of mercury. But you see the beginning of something called dental amalgam. And so what happens here is that in 1830s, a revolutionary – at the time, revolutionary – Dental restorative entered the scientific field referred to something as amalgam in the United States. It had a couple other names in different other places. But this amalgam was originally developed in England and France and contained a combination of silver, tin, copper, zinc, and mercury. As an odd point, they're fillings for your teeth. That's what amalgam is. If you've ever seen people who have silver fillings, it's basically that concept. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can't tell whether you're totally uninterested or not. He's like, wow, bro. Cool story. Don't care. No, anyway. I just didn't know how to respond. That's all I had was, wow. <laughs> wow. Fucking Owen Wilson here. Wow. I hope he's okay. Me too. Me too. That man has gone through some rough times. Anyway, um, oddly enough, though, what was weird about this, and it was a kind of a rarity, at least from what I've seen, in like weird-ass medical science at the time, was that amalgam fillings were not openly embraced by the organized dentistry in America. And around 1840, there were members of the American Society of Dental Surgeons, the ASDS, which required, were required to sign pledges that they would not use the mercury fillings. Ah. Like, these people knew. They were like, this shit is not right. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which is kind of why I brought up, like, the concept of, like, Mad Hatter's disease and the issue where they would use mercury in lighthouses because they were enough cases of insanity where they had to piece two and two together and go, oh, this is what's fucking causing it. Oh, wait a second. Hold up now. You mean we shouldn't drink metal? No, you shouldn't. (laughs) You fucking really shouldn't. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) you really, you're just happy with yourself on that one? I'm I'm thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) I love tacos. (laughs) George Bush loves tacos. (laughs) Dick. (laughs) What's that, Janie? What's your name? Robert. (laughs) <laughs> we're stupid so yeah um mr president we need to go in iraq <laughs> whatever you say dick <laughs> anyway um uh so actually it, it got to the point where the asds was so upset with this because there were a number of new york city dentists who were suspended from their membership there and in 1848 were literally let go for malpractice for using mercury fillings Ah. Like, it's it's literally on the paper. 
What the <laughs> fuck are you people doing? Also, 1848, fun fact, the year Wisconsin became a state. Hey. James K. Polk. Uh, what? Anyway. He, he was the president during that time. He was. He really was. Fun facts, the more you know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Take a look. It's in a book. It's reading rainbow. Eating mercury. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I love you're desperately trying to keep us on track while I'm dragging us off the trail tracks every hour on the hour. Um, anyway, so by 1859, though, the new org- an actual new organization was created through dentistry that was the result of the eternal rift over the use of mercury in dentistry called the American Dental Association, which exists today. Mm-hmm. That literally was one of the founding factors. The people were like, I want to use this thing. And everybody else who was presumably had a brain in their skull was like, what the fuck? No. <laughs> You're like the German doctor from fucking Django Unchained. <laughs> Except he wasn't even really a doctor or a dentist. So, no, shows he, you he how was, much I fucking know. He was an assassin. Mm. Of cavities. Not people. Of plaque. Gingivitis. <laughs> anyway. Not he killed people. Okay. <laughs> you're starting to sound like you're talking about serial killer. <laughs> John Wayne Gacy was a clown. He was a murderer. Of sadness. No, he, he actually murdered people. He did, though. Murder their sadness with laughter. No, no, he literally nah, murdered he, people. He legit killed people. Yeah, put he, it, stuffed them he, in, the, in the walls. He of his did home. worse than just kill people. Trust me, he, he raped stuffed them in like, the walls of his home and his floorboards under and... his house. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Moving on. <laughs> I really like. I I hate to say this. I listen to some of the true crime podcasts for people who talk about like the serial killers thing. Not that I like get off on that, but the concept of just like. Like the the psychological component of the whole thing. Well, you can say that it's interesting. You're not saying you're not you're not saying that you like what they do. Well, of course I don't. I Fuck mean, it. I don't either. Obviously, I like, don't either. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I no either. So, what were you trying to say though? No, I was saying that the concept of like the was that at one point in time I was like, what if we did a true crime one? But I'm like, no, no, everybody does that shit now. Anyway, um, and also that really wouldn't be up our alleyway. Funny shit to talk about. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the last yeah. podcast on the left makes it funny, but, like, I also don't feel like we should, uh... No, we're just... Not, let's not tread in their territory. Yeah, no, 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 no. Because then he's going to come, and he's going to take... That's three people, but shout out shout out to them. And he's going to take a shit on your doorstep to show you who's dominant in this house. <laughs> anyway, um, so... Moving on from that, you know, there's still the use it, of mercury across the board in small areas, but it's starting now to phase out. So... By the 20th century, the modern uses of mercury would actually take the form of something called sublimate, which was a mercury chloride. Okay. This is still used in certain countries today, or until just recently, as an antiseptic for wounds. Again, you're applying it to an area of the body with close contact to the bloodstream. Perfect. Why are we not getting this? Anyway... I love it. My ranting aside, um, additional problems, of course, during the 20th century is that mercury was a key ingredient in war munitions during the wars between 1914 and 1945. So not only do you have people using it as a medicine, you have people being exposed to it in war, and then additionally, you're being exposed to it in medicine. Wow. That's, uh... I, it's just a double whammy of bullshit for me. I don't get it. God damn it. Uh, later, I'm a lot of connections between yeah. most of these stupid medical practices yeah, we've covered so far. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? What was the fucking first clue that you found? Uh, the episodes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> what? The first clue was me listening to the episodes. 
That's such I a condescending episode, fucking thing I for guess, you to say. I guess, I guess that'd be the first clue, not clues, but you know. I mean, the first go. clues. Anyway, it it, it, it kind of works, maybe? I don't know. Are you done now? <laughs> you yes. done? Are you done now? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> it's like Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, later half of the 20th century, the use of mercury in medicine, pharmaceuticals, and uh, additionally gold mining, because that is also a process it was used for, is prohibited as more information becomes available about the element's toxicity. But like many carcinogens, however, mercury remains in the public consciousness for, and for many in the United States and Europe because it's a thing that we now have to deal with, right? It's a concept of like where mercury could have been used in, in industrial plants and shit like that. Now you have to deal with the repercussions of it. Yep. And in terms of like cleaning that shit up. Sure. Um, due to that problem, though, there is... An additional issue, an example of this was recently, at least I think in the early 2000s, at least in the late 90s, was something called thimerosal, which is known as ethyl mercury thiosalicate. And basically, what it is is it preserves vaccines in multiple countries. Okay. It's meant for preserving vaccines, and is used in multiple countries, in in European <laughs> countries. And I just, you're, you're playing fucking hardball on such a level that's so dangerous. Why are we doing this? Like, ugh, makes me fucking upset. Oh, God. I don't think I'm going to go drink some mercury later. Um, so, uh, additionally, too, you had a lot of under-the-radar products that contained mercury, especially that was the issue within, like, the 90s and the 2000s, the early 2000s, was that there still were, or, or I would say 80s, 90s, early 2000s, because there were still a lot of like these home products that had it that people were like, I remember when it helped cure my auntie of her rheumatism, and then they left out the part where auntie then went stark raving mad and started painting pictures with her shit on the wall, so like they left out the bad shit and said yeah it cured her of her knee problem but she also now talks to ghosts. Um, there were certain products though that came out of the EU at the time something that was a skin lightening soap. A cream or powders, these also existed both in the EU and Eastern Asia, and these were meant for application by both adults and children. And they had been exported to Africa and India through EU countries within the last two decades. I'm just, not sure if that's still an issue, okay. but that's the most recent thing they have. Now comes story time, children. For those of us in the United States, and I showed Lucas this uh, this webpage. And I just want to dress this down for those of you who can't see it, but you'll probably be able to see it on the website. This looks like something that came out of the early 90s. It's perfect. But it comes with the Washington University faculty website. They just made this thing for children. Like, uh, you know what? I don't care. It's Neuroscience for Kids Consultant, and I'll take it. Shout out to Melissa Lee Phillips for this. You <laughs> made this. No, I'm not even shitting on this because this actually comes from a actual peer-reviewed study who came around the summer of 2001 called abraham lincoln's blue pills and it was published in the perspectives in biology and medicine and so i'm going to explain what this is all about so for like when we did the washington one uh, where you couldn't hear my audio because our mic was so fucked up that it probably won't even count so if you didn't get to hear that go ahead and read that on the website um at the time prior to being the president we found out that abraham lincoln suffered from mercury poisoning all right. We on did. His phone. <laughs> <laughs> we did? 
Actually, surprisingly, yeah. I, I okay. actually did not know this. I didn't know that either. So, I'm going to read off this. This is a short article, but I like this because it really fucking leads home the fact that this actually came from people who took, like, diary excerpts from people he uh, that knew Lincoln before his presidency and sort of explained what the fuck he was doing. So, here's sort of what happens here. So, in the years before he becomes president, Abraham Lincoln exhibited many behaviors inconsistent inconsistent. With his dignified image. And most people think of Lincoln, they think of him sort of as like the quiet-spoken, intelligent individual who delivers like the Gettysburg Address and who leads the United States through the Civil War uh, to later get a fucking musket ball lodged in the back of his head in a fucking play. Or as um, White as Kids You Know would tell us, he gets hammered in the ass so hard that he dies from being hammered in the ass. Um, basically here, what happened was, according to writings of some of his friends and acquaintances, Lincoln was prone to highly unpredictable moodiness. He was sort of exhibiting fits of extreme rage and to unexplained bizarre actions that he would do that, to most people at the time, probably would have led him to believe he may have been possessed or insane, which was probably the more logical decision. Um, but most of the behaviors did stop soon after his inauguration. So researchers, obviously confused and interested in this led by a medical historian and retired physician norbert hirschlon or yeah hirschhorn there you go published a report in 2001 hypothesizing that lincoln su suffered from mercury poisoning for years prior to his presidency and so what they came across was that lincoln took pills that were referred to as blue mass and the main ingredient in this blue mass was something called elemental mercury Right, it, it's literally just mercury. Mm -hmm. And so in the 1800s, these blue pills were commonly prescribed for a wide variety of conditions. So when we talked about like the, um, like the bloodletting concept that like they just would take this one asinine fucking concept and just apply it to every known problem that you could have to fix everything, it was kind of like that. Again, Wild West the of The rule medicine. of some here is there's no such thing as a cure-all. Pretty much. It was like I said before when we did the, the, when we did the, um, the children's soothing syrup one, that this is like the Wild West of pharmaceutical medicine. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody fucking cares. And this is even before, like, the 1890s, when people were, like, knowingly taking it, even though they were like, well, she died, but we can't possibly... Yes, you fucking can. Um, so, these conditions that were meant to cure were worms, which is a fantastic visual, tuberculosis, toothaches, and cholera, among many, many others. They were also prescribed for people who had hypochondriasis, which is basically a very general medical term, which was used to describe people with many different physical and mental problems. Oh. I love it. Which I like that the, the main yeah, root of generalizing this, isn't a problem Hypochondriasis. Ha uh. uh ha. -huh. Yeah, hypochondriac apparently is coming out of that one. Um, and so Lincoln was said to have suffered from one condition often attributed to hydrochondriasis, which was melancholia or depression, which was possible right at the time because mental health was pretty much unexistent here. Mm -hmm. And it was likely that physician recommended Lincoln to take these blue pills for his depression to sort of like ease his mood. Um, physicians in the 1800 did not know that mercury was a powerful neurotoxin. Um, and once ingested, mercury binds to the molecules in the nervous system and can cause behavioral problems. Basically, taking sort of the receptors in your brain that would usually, like, I want to say they would control, I'd say regulate, there you go, where they would regulate your sort of reactions to things. Sure. Where 
like if you stubbed your toe, then all of a sudden you would fly into a rage and kill your cat or something. I I don't know, or like that's extreme. Yeah, it is. But literally, that's what they would deal. Like people would get homicidally in, like angry as hell over the smallest things. And I was one of the example of that where if people looked at sort of like psychological damage, as another good example of what happens when like trauma does it. There was um, what was the example? There was a guy who was working on a railroad and he got a fucking metal pole through his brain and so what would end up happening was after that he lived but because it damaged his brain and his like neurological senses to the point he had rapidly violent mood swings kind of similar to what people see in those who have mercury poisoning because it affects the receptors so much and the ability to sort of like regulate those feelings to appropriate situations uh, anyway, uh, bonding to it, creating those problems. Common symptoms of mercury poisoning were irritability, anxiety, hostility, depression, insomnia, memory loss, nerve damage, tremors, which is the shaking of the hands, and problems with dexterity. Lincoln apparently suffered from many of these symptoms during the time that he's believed to have taken the mercury pills. Uh, more towards the future here, Dr. Hirshhorn and his colleagues wanted to know approximately how much mercury Lincoln's body would have absorbed when he took blue mass, so they recreated some of these pills using a common 19th century recipe that still existed. Using a mortar and pestle with modern safety precautions to protect themselves from inhaling the mercury vapors, they combined the ingredients used to make blue mass, mercury, licorice root, rose water, honey, sugar, and a dead rose petal. I just, yeah. Oh my god. I just... I'm just not saying much because it's just so incredulously stupid that I'm not going to even... <laughs> yeah, you fucking lucky bastard. You. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. The last one got me dead, Rose Petal. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so, next then, the next process is that they would... Jesus Christ. <laughs> fucking... So the next process, or the next part of the process would be that they would crush the pills in an acidic solution similar to the acid present in the stomach. So ideally, they would recreate sort of the idea of eating it. Yeah. The solution was then to run through a filter designed to imitate the membrane of the intestinal wall. They found that for each blue pill, about 750 micrograms of mercury could be absorbed into the, into the body. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, who basically created sort of the guidelines of what was acceptable and what was not, the levels of exposure states that adults should consume no more than 21 micrograms ah. yeah, of mercury in one day. And a person who took the recommended dosage of two or three pills per day would be at significant risk of mercury poisoning. Well, no shit. <laughs> would you like to be condescending to me some more? <laughs> I'm not be- I'm being sarcastic. It's what I do. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so fortunately, many of the toxic effects of mercury were reversible. Or they, they kind of are. I mean, if you stop the exposure to a point, right. your body can sort of rebuild the damage it's been done. If mercury consumption stops, eventually some of the adverse symptoms stop too. And a friend of Lincoln's wrote that Lincoln stopped taking the blue pills about five minutes a month. About five minutes. About five months. Five minutes before it's <laughs> yeah. inauguration about speech. He's up there on the stage fucking, like, shaking like a, like a fucking, like, nicotine addict. Up there, four score oh, and seven. Shut the fuck up, Karen! I'm trying to talk! To be fair, that was the Gettysburg Address, not his exactly. speech. He's writing, he's got that shit rolling in his mind. <laughs> not the best writers we found out. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so he stops taking five months beforehand. Yeah, pretty much. 
And um, after, uh, actually not not before, it was five months after the presidential inauguration, which oh, wants okay. me to fucking figure out how he got into the presidential seat like that, um, in that condition. I really don't know. Um, basically, he didn't, he didn't win by much. That was a really contested election. I know that was that's the part that like even though it should have probably been a little bit like less, but you know what? I'm I'm okay that he's our president. You want to rustle some paper in front of the microphone? <laughs> that's your cash money right there. Anyway, <laughs> no. Um. You have dollar dollar bills. That was actually a check that was you're cashed. Like, you're like Rick if you want, Ross. If you really want to know. Anyway, um, and so one of the things that Lincoln stated to his friend was that he felt that he stopped taking the pills because he felt it made him cross. You fucking think? Um, yeah. After that, Lincoln's behavior did change, and the rage attack ceased. He remained calm in stressful situations, and deep melancholy seemed to subside. Which happens because when you're president, you're not fucking like able to sit down and be depressed. <laughs> He didn't have time to be depressed. He was supposed to be running a country. And, and also trying to keep a country from blowing itself to shit, which yep. he won that bitch. Take that, American South. Um, <laughs> that's right. I don't care how sweet your tea is. You're all a bunch of... Anyway. Um, so, additionally to that point, you know, he's... Pretty much was normal after that, which was good. Um, but Hershorn and other researchers point out that some uncertainties in their conclusions... Because most of the written evidence for Lincoln's strange behavior did come from one person, they said not all of the weird behavior could have been attributed directly to the blue mask that was taken, but they had come to the point that it was pretty clear that that is what it was that was causing those. I mean, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Of course, you know, there are some remaining questions about this concept because this is something that anybody would ask questions about that... Poisoning seems likely to have affected part of Abraham Lincoln's life, but it's relatively certain that he consumed mercury for many years and many of his reported behaviors are consistent with these neurobehavioral effects that you get from it. Um, Of course, they always say that there are now more questions because, because due to him taking it, the possibility of mercury poisoning could generate new insights into Lincoln's life and his influence on the history of the United States. And like I said... To us, it's probably really fucking fortunate for us that he stopped taking the yeah. medication yeah. the time that he became president. Because he's like, oh, this makes me fucking feel crazy. All right, we're not going to do that. Yeah, right before the Civil War, it's probably a good thing you stopped doing it. Yeah. <laughs> General Grant, they're coming from the sea. <laughs> One of yeah. the other general by saying. <laughs> so anyway. I don't think we would have won that war. No, we wouldn't have. I mean, we'd all be speaking with a twang. and So Lincoln took some uh, some crazy pills for a while, then he got off them and... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's Success story. Right there. All right. Uh, any other stuff about Mercury? Nope. That concludes that one. We will be doing the uh, arsenic episode next week. All so, right. So it's four and five together. So we're gonna get we're gonna get excited about uh, we're gonna get sad uh, <laughs> we're gonna about get, some other we're gonna get excited about like how bad it is and sad at the same time about where, another where is, where is stupid exci- medicine. He's as excited right now as he's been every time we do this. That's <laughs> not that's not true. Sometimes it's less, and sometimes it's here. <laughs> I've been more excited. Anyway, anyway uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, check us out. Remember to tell your friends, please. Uh, you can go ahead and give us some reviews and stuff. That'd be wonderful. Thank you to whoever gave us that five-star review on iTunes. We greatly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Shout and, uh, out to our one listener in Russia still. Yeah. And otherwise, uh, stay tuned for more content. Have a great week. Week? Yeah. Have a great Weekend, week. pretty much. Yeah, have a great time. Hey. Whatever you're listening to this, have a great time. Adios, fuck sticks. Later, wonderful listeners. <laughs>
<laughs> you pandering jackass. <laughs> home troubled by strange noises? Do objects move about your domicile seemingly of their own volition? Do unseen talking rodentia leave unsightly teeth marks in your butter? Do large hairy anthropoids stalk your yard? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then don't wait another day. Listen to The Least Haunted Podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Least Haunted Podcast, a place where skepticism, science, anthropology, and humor meet to discuss all things haunting, spooky, supernatural, and sometimes just the plain stupid. Join me, your host, Cody Franks, and your co-host, Garth Von Annen, that's me, as we journey all around the realms of the paranormal sciences to look with a critical and skeptical eye at various and sundry topics such as... Witches! Talking mongooses! The Yeti! Superstitions surrounding the Black Death. The Great Clowning of 2016. And a psychic Cold War for the very soul of England. And that's just in the first several episodes. So join us every other week for a fun and hopefully entertaining informative dive into all manner of spooky and strange occurrences, people, places, and things. The Least Haunted Podcast. Because the only thing that's haunted is you. Haunted is a relative term. Scientific knowledge does not acknowledge the existence of ghosts, haunts, spooks, specters, and general phantasma. The producers of Least Haunted are not responsible for any crisis of faith, a demonic possession, spontaneous development of superfluous nipples, or unintelligible writing that bleeds through the plaster of your walls that might develop as a result of listening to this podcast. Offer void in parallel dimensions, alternate realities, and timelines in which you are your own mother, father, grandfather, grandmother, child, niece, nephew, and or any combination of paradoxical, unbranching genealogies thereof. First go. Nice. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Thank you. <laughs>